first reading is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that you, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The second reading is Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his, king, his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, you who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Good morning, everyone. My name's Stephen, one of the ministers here. Now, if you were to close your eyes, don't, you don't have to do this, although you can if you'd like to. If you were to close your eyes and just kind of block out everything, and if I were to say to you, focus your mind on, on God, what kind of thoughts and, and feelings would bubble to mind to the surface? Now, for some of us, not much will bubble to the surface, not 
you know, because there's not much going on, but just if we think about God, focus on God, not much will bubble to the service because we're just not sure what we think about God, what we feel about God. Um, we're not sure what to make of him. Maybe you're here today, not so much for you, but because someone else wants you to be here, you know, your parents or your spouse or something like that. For some of us, maybe kind of negative things would bubble to mind. Fear, dread, shame. But I I reckon for most of us, we feel much more positive. Uh, What bubbles to the surface is some sort of sense of love or joy or thankfulness, warmth or, or peace or those kind of things. But I know even for myself, what kind of comes to mind... I feel a bit underwhelmed by it. I, I, I feel like often my feelings are a little bit vague or a little bit weak. It's interesting, in our mind, someone's feelings is their own domain. Have you sort of come across that idea? No one can tell you how to feel, can they? You can't tell me my, my feelings are right or wrong, can you? Because my feelings are my own, they're, they're kind of none of your business. And, uh, and you don't know what's going on for me, so you can't see into my heart and soul. And, and in a way, that's, that's true. In many senses, that's very true. And yet, have you ever come across a, a dad who's cold and distant to his wife and kids? You know, he, his kids love him, and they're trying to get his attention his wife is, is faithfully trying to connect with him, but he's just annoyed by them, ignores them, and is harsh with them, and his feelings are so messed up, and he can't seem to see it, but everyone else can. And we all look and think, why doesn't he value what he has? Why can't he see how precious what he has is, that he, that he has a family that loves him? Why is he always on his phone, always wasting time on the computer? Why is he always working? Why is he flirting with those people at work? Why are his feelings so messed up? But we can't tell him how to feel, can we? His feelings are only his own. It's not our business. Today, we're looking at an ancient song written by King David about 3,000 years ago. And in this song, David is actually telling himself how to feel about God. Well, that's where he starts anyway. He starts by telling himself, his own soul, how he should feel about God. But in the end, he ends up telling us how we should feel about God too. He ends up saying in in verse 22, praise the Lord all his works everywhere in his dominion. What David is saying in this song is that if he sees things right, it, it pushes him to feel things right. And he's saying if we see things right too, it pushes us to feel things right too. What he says in this song is if we see God right, and if we see who we are right, then what will bubble out of us are feelings of praise. Look at verse 2 again, where we see David reminding himself to see God right, and to see himself right. He, he speaks to himself and he says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not 
all his benefits. Now, this is our first point. If, if we're going to feel the right way about God, then we need to make sure that, that we don't forget God's benefits. Don't forget God's benefits to you. Don't let yourself forget what he's done for you. Hold on to what he's done deep within yourself. But I, I find this a bit troubling, actually. Because don't you reckon that it, it's human nature to forget how lucky we are? I mean, do you know when I find myself appreciating my health? It's when I'm sick. 99% of the time, you know, I'm healthy. And, and does that make me just overflow with thankfulness? Well, not really. I take it for granted. But you should see me when I'm sick, when I'm shivering and can't get warm and shaking and throwing up. I mean, Kathy could tell you, I'm the worst. I don't cope very well. And it's at those times that I just can't believe how much I have taken the other times for granted. Do you know when I find myself appreciating my family? When something almost goes horribly wrong. You know, most of, the, most of the time my family is safe and well and healthy. But recently on holidays, there was a moment where my family was suddenly in a lot of danger. I'll tell you about it sometime once I've um, processed it with the therapist. But basically, I'll, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. Basically, we got separated in the snow as it was just about to go dark and the temperatures were about to go into the negatives and one of the things that, that sort of struck me in that, that moment of terror was just how much I take my family and our safety for granted. Just a second, a sec. I'm going to bend this out slightly. It's picking up too much uh, feedback. Is that a bit better? Yeah, that sounds better. Okay. I was uh, in that moment, I was just thinking, oh my goodness. I take these guys for granted. How on earth, how on earth could I ever do that? Now, if you don't know God, and, and I mean by that, if you don't praise him from deep within your soul with, with genuine gratitude, then I can tell you for a fact, you're taking him for granted. He's given you life. He's, he's given you every good thing within your life and if you're sort of ambivalent about him, unsure about him or uninterested in him, unwilling to acknowledge him, seek him, then you're absolutely taking him for granted and all he's given you for granted. I mean, that's a fact and it's one I wouldn't dismiss lightly if I were you. But here's the thing. David's actually not talking to people like you if that's you here. David's not talking to people who don't know God. David is talking to people who do know God. And first and foremost, he's, he's talking to his own soul. He's looking at his own heart and he sees that he, even he, is inclined to forget God's benefit and he's inclined to just take them for granted. That's what we're like as humans. Our feelings, that they might be our own, but that doesn't mean they're not messed up at times. Do you notice what David does to counter this tendency to take God for granted? What he does in, in this song is, is he recounts to himself and, and to us, that's why he writes the song, 
he recounts to himself some of the great benefits of knowing God. Let's have a look at, at, at some of the benefits that David brings to mind. Look at the first one and think about what this says about God and what it says about us. He says, praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins. Now is that the first thing that would have bubbled to your mind when I said think about God? Because the very first benefit that David brings to his mind is God's forgiveness. See God right and see yourself right. See God right and you see he's a God who's forgiving. And not just forgiving, he is forgiving like no one else. He forgives all David's sins, all of them. You know, last week we were doing Psalm 51 and we sort of reflected a bit on David's sin. Every time I read about David, think about his sin, I can't help but feel I don't know that I would forgive David. Have you ever felt like that? Not unless God did some massive work in my life. I, I can't imagine forgiving David. David, even though he was king and had everything already, he takes another man's wife, a faithful man, a loyal man. And then he has that man killed in battle, fighting for him. I read about David and I can't help but be disgusted by him. I'm not sure I could, I could forgive David if he'd done that to someone I loved. I'm just not forgiving like God, not by nature anyway, not unless he does that work in my heart. But David reminds himself to see God rightly. God is willing to forgive all sins. And notice, at the same time, David is reminding himself to see himself rightly. He is someone who needs to be forgiven. He's someone who is forgiven by God. Can you see why praise for God bubbles up within him? I don't know if you know this, but almost every error in our lives springs from us getting God wrong and ourselves wrong on this issue. Now, if we think, I'm not really a sinner... Or if we think, my sin doesn't really matter that much, then of course we can't see the benefit that could be ours if we know God. So often with my kids, um, when I, I try to talk to them about how the way that they're treating one of their siblings is, is destructive in our family or something like that, do you know what they almost always inevitably say? What I'm doing is nothing compared to how the kids at school treat their brothers and sisters. You know, I hear this so often that I kind of picture these kids in my minds and I kind of see these terrible, entitled, out-of-control psychopaths. And then you kind of meet them and you're like, oh, they're just like my kids. <laughs> now, I, I can't seem to show my kids that this logic is terrible. So you just punch your sibling and because your friends at school punch their siblings more often or harder then you're like, there's nothing to see here. I'm totally good. It's terrible logic. And yet, isn't that exactly the same logic every single one of us has tried on each other, on ourselves, on God even? If I really am a sinner, well, then I'm not that bad. I work with worse people. 
So God's forgiveness might mean something to them, but it doesn't mean much to me. It doesn't move me much. If we see ourselves rightly, desperately needing God's forgiveness, desperately needing God's forgiveness, we will see God's benefits more truly. See God right, see yourself right, and you know what always follows? Praise. See God right, see yourself right, and what always follows is praise. Most people, they believe in some sort of God. Even those who say they they don't believe in God, they often don't live lives consistent with that. They can't. It's not possible to. But you know a huge thing that stops people seeing God rightly and and seeing his benefits to them? It's that it's usually that they point blank blank refuse to see their sin. Last year I was um, reading a, a... the Bible with a guy who, who became a Christian after about five years of people talking to this guy about Jesus. He read the, the entire way through Mark's gospel and he said he was unmoved by Jesus. And then we, we were reading John's gospel together and he was deeply moved. And you know, he said it was his pride that blocked him from seeing Jesus. He's kind of amazed. He's like, why couldn't I see Jesus for who I was one day? We were sitting there in the Tetragalli Library. And he said, it's my pride. He just refused to see his own sin and it stopped him from seeing God right. And if you're someone who, who's not convinced about God, is there a chance that, that pride could have something to do with it? Maybe just a little bit. But is there a chance that that pride could be what's blocking you from seeing him? The other thing, if we see ourselves right and if we see God right, is that we'll see that God's benefits come to us by his forgiveness. They don't come to us by us not needing to be forgiven. Do you know what I mean? You know, if we see ourselves as sinners needing forgiveness, and if we see God as, as willing to forgive sins, wanting to forgive sins, all that's left for us to do is, is praise. Now, occasionally, I, I talk with some of you, and it's like you think God's benefits will only flow to you once you get your act together. That God will, will only treat you well once you start treating him well. Now, if, if that's you, you need to listen to this song. You need to see God right, because he wants to forgive. Take these words, just let these words kind of wash over you in verse 10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. They're in Norway, Silas is telling us. (laughs) Now remember that God wants to forgive us like this. And so all that's left for us to do is what? Praise. Let's have a look at some of the other benefits that uh, David brings to mind. He says in verse 3, God heals all your diseases. The idea here is the diseases that 
that would otherwise have killed David, lethal diseases. And it's a similar idea in verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. David is alive and, and only because God has preserved his life. Now, this is true for any of us. Why are you here living and breathing today? It's only because your life is a gift from God. See God right, see yourself right. You see your life, every breath is a gift. And then David says, don't forget, my soul, that God crowns you with love and compassion. Now, what do you think he means by this? I mean, this is King David. Think about what he's crowned with. He's crowned with power. He's crowned with riches. He's crowned with all sorts of things. And yet he says here, God crowns him with love and compassion. Now, imagine if at King Charles's coronation sometime this year, instead of crowning him with the St. Edward's crown, which you can see sitting awkwardly next to Charles there, imagine if the archbishop says, Charles, I'm going to crown you with my love and my compassion. I reckon after waiting 74 years, Charles would not be impressed with that. But David here, he reminds himself that that's exactly what God crowns him with, with his love and compassion. Now, don't you think that sounds a bit strange? It got me thinking about this. What are some of the things that, that we would crown ourselves with? What are some of the things that we would want to be crowned with? Some of the things that, that we see as our crowning glory? There's all sorts of things, aren't there? Some of them we understand, some of them are kind of amusing. Like for a lot of blokes, I reckon that the crown that they have in mind is kind of to be built, to be muscly, to be healthy, to be strong, and really to be desirable. You know, that's why they sweat it out of the gym. Or for some people, they'd like to be crowned with getting into uni, with a course that will bring them respect, bring them a job that gives them both money and the kind of meaning and satisfaction they're looking for in life. Or for some of us, we think what's going to crown us is, is a woman or a man or children or a home or who knows what. But David says to himself, don't forget this benefit. God crowns you with his love and compassion. Now, if we see ourselves rightly, what's our crowning glory? Being loved by God. Being shown compassion by God. Now, this is quite humbling on the one hand, isn't it? Nothing we do crowns ourselves with glory. It's quite humbling that we need God's pity on us. If we see God right, if, if we see ourselves right, we'll see this. If we see God right, we'll see that his heart is for us. He longs to show us faithful love. That's what the love word here is. It's, it's his faithful love and compassion. So many people in this world are not interested in us for who we are. Have you noticed that? So many people kind of overlook us, overlook you, or they expect you to be something else before they'll be interested in you, before they'll give you the time of day. But what does God give us? He gives us his love and his compassion just as we are. He actually really does want to know us and relate to us where we're at. 
And think about what exactly this means that we're crowned with. 10,000 years after St. Edward's crown is just a pile of rust and the diamonds are dust, this crown remains. 10,000 years after uni, your home, your career, your car, 10,000 years after all those things mean nothing, God's love and compassion will mean everything. See God right, see yourself right, and we'll see that this crown is, is priceless. Let what David says here in, in verse 13 sink into your heart. Listen to what he says. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Whatever we would crown ourselves with is fading. But what God crowns us with will last forever. Now, if if you're a teenager here, or if you're in your 20s, or let's stretch it out a little bit, your early 30s, then you should take this to heart, right? You're a flower. Good for you. You're beautiful. Try not to be jealous. You're flourishing, okay? That's great, but in no time at all, your time will be over. Unless you are crowned with the love and compassion of God. You know, life passes by quickly. The rest of us, we all know that. I have to admit that I'm sort of, I'm feeling it especially at the moment because from tomorrow, I'm going to be helping my 16-year-old learn to drive. (laughs) Now, I can't believe that life has just flashed by me so quickly. And I know what you're thinking. Just wait till you're in the passenger seat tomorrow, helping him drive. Then you'll know how quickly life can flash before your eyes. Well, we could meet you on the road, so life might flash quickly before your eyes too. But in all seriousness, I've started to feel, I just want to put the brakes on a little bit, slow life down a little bit. It's just going by so fast. But of course, we can't put the brakes on. Life flies by and it's gone. might not feel like that in your teens and 20s and maybe early 30s. But life flies by and it's gone. And that's okay if we know this benefit that we have from God. Because those crowned with God's love and compassion, we don't only have this life and that's it, so we better make the most of it. And then we face God's judgment, like every single person will. If we know God, all we will ever face is that from everlasting to everlasting The Lord's love is with those who fear him. We only know his love, not his judgment. And we only know his love forever. And this brings us to our last point. Have you noticed as as we've been working through this psalm, this song, have you noticed who it is that benefits from God? Look at verse 11. We read, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Look at verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion 
on those who fear him. Look at verse 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. It's really clear, isn't it? Those who fear God are the ones who know his benefits. Now, there's a paradox here, isn't there? Do you fear in God? Do you fear God? Do you fear God? Do you stand in awe of God? Are you filled with enormous respect for his holy name, his goodness, his power, his love and compassion? Well, the paradox is those who don't fear this God, don't fear like that. Those who don't care about his covenant, his ways. In other words, they don't care about knowing him. They don't feel the need to know him. You are the exact person who should fear God and will one day find yourself fearing God. But those of us who do fear him, who see his holiness, his goodness, his enormous power and his love and compassion, we are the ones who will never know fear in his presence. We need never fear judgment, never fear anything or anyone else. Now, I asked you at the beginning, what bubbles to the surface when you, when you think about God? You know, what thoughts come to mind? What, what feelings come to mind? What this song really shows us is that actually praise is not our default. If anything, taking God for granted is our default. And so like David does in this song, we need to tell ourselves to remember God's benefits. We need to help each other remember God's benefits. Pretty much everything in this world is trying to convince us to take off God's crown of love and compassion and replace it with a different kind of crown, a crown of plastic and fake jewels, a crown that won't last. I mean, anything you think of, Netflix, YouTube, Facebook, books, or friends, even family, uni, school, ads, they all sing the benefits of crowns that won't last. We need to remind our hearts deep within ourselves, our inner selves, of the benefits that we have in knowing God as we see him right and as we see ourselves right. Because if David had reason to remember God's benefits, we have even more. We've seen God's plans in all his glory. We've seen God crown us with love and compassion as Jesus takes for us a crown of thorns so that he can take our sin from us forever. We've seen him endure death on our behalf, his love taking him that far. We have in Jesus God's love and compassion in a great shepherd who leads us, wants to know us, who rules a kingdom on our behalf forever. We are those who fear God. We've seen what sin costs at the cross. But we've seen the power of God that Jesus would rise from the dead and God will one day raise us from the dead. And so as we fear God... We see that we need fear nothing else. Not death, because we will live eternally. Not judgment, 
because we will never face it. We don't fear people because who are they compared to our God? We don't fear failure because no failure can stop us from knowing our Lord Jesus, our shepherd forever. And we don't fear missing out in life because there is a wave of God's benefits about to crash over us when we meet him face to face. We fear God alone and as we do that, we fear nothing and no one else. And where does it move us? It moves us to praise. So let me finish by asking you, how are you going to remind your soul of God's benefits this year? How are you going to fear him and not take him for granted? How are you going to remember his benefits this year? How are you going to fear him and not take him for granted? I would love it if you kept asking yourself this question this week. Let me just give you a couple of really quick thoughts, though, about how you can do this. If you've never seriously, definitively handed your life over to God, then do that. Because that's how you come to know his benefits, to entirely hand your life over to him. Do that and tell someone you've done that. But if you already know his benefits, how do you keep remembering his benefits? Well, a big way is here, isn't it? I mean, we get together and we remind each other's benefits as we hear the Bible read, as we sing of them, as we talk together. When I was in um, Singapore just recently, did you know um, that the church there, on any Sunday, 90% of them will be present? Do you know what it's more like in Australia? It's, it's more like 50%. Here it's kind of around about 60% of us are present. Attendance in church just keeps dropping in Australia at the same time as the messages promising false crowns become more and more targeted towards us. Probably the most powerful way to remember God's benefits to us is as we gather together to praise his name. Is there anything more powerful than that to remember? If you want your soul to remember God's benefits, be here every week that you possibly can. Another way to keep remembering God's benefits is is in community groups or youth group. Because in smaller groups we can remind each other of God's benefits in much more specific ways to our lives because we know each other's lives. If you're not in a community group, maybe this year you should be in one. Talk to Noel about it, about how to get into one. And finally, another way to remember God's benefits is on our own as we read his word, as we hear the Spirit speak to us, as we speak to our own hearts. And if you need a bit of inspiration to kind of get back into daily reading God's word. Why don't you today ask a couple of different people what what they do to remind themselves of, of God's benefits to them? We all struggle to remember. That's human nature. Why not ask a couple of people how they remind themselves of God's benefit to them? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, your benefits to us are absolutely astounding. In Jesus, that you would send him to reveal yourself to us, to die in our place, to rise again, to live and lead us and promise us an eternity 
where we will only ever know your love and compassion and no sadness or sickness or fear or death. Lord, your benefits are so overwhelming and yet in our minds and in our hearts we, we struggle to feel them like we should. Lord, we thank you that even despite that, your love and compassion still crown us, that you move us by your spirit deep within us to see you, see your benefits, praise your name. We pray, Lord, that more and more you would help praise to come out of us, flow out of us naturally as we see your benefits to our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.